We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message.
Psalm 22 verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of His people.
Hi friends, I'd like to invite you to join me today in light of all that is going on in our world. Join me as we sing uh, this prayer together. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let your love increase. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Walls of pride and prejudice shall cease. When we are your instruments of peace, sing with me. Let your love increase, Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Walls of pride and prejudice shall cease. When we are your instruments of peace, where there is hatred, show his love where there is injury we will never judge where there is striving we will speak his peace to the millions crying for release we will be his instruments of peace Let your love increase, Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Walls of pride and prejudice shall cease. When we are your instruments of peace, where there is blindness, Pray for sight Where there is darkness We will shine His light Where there is sadness We will bear their grief To the millions crying for relief We will be your instruments of peace instruments of your peace where there is hatred let your love increase Lord make us instruments of your peace walls of pride and prejudice shall cease when we are of peace walls of pride and prejudice shall cease when we
are your instruments of peace. number 37 in our 220 Revelation series. Thank you for joining us today. We're on part three of a three-part series of the Bereshit Prophecy. Three and a half years to the 4,000-year forecast? Here's the reason. Thirty-three and a half years is the number of years Jesus was on the earth from his birth to his resurrection and ascension. If pattern is prophecy, then it is only reasonable to expect that the thirty-three and a half years of the sinless life of the last Adam, whose name is Jesus the Christ, would match up exactly with the sinless life of the first Adam in the Garden of Eden during the very brief Age of Innocence. We can reasonably surmise that the first Adam lived thirty-three and a half sinless years in the Garden of Eden before he spiritually died, the moment he sinned. Adam's sin resulted in immediate spiritual death and the onset of decay that would result in his physical death at 930 years old. The sinful act of Adam resulted in death and corruption to all his descendants, including you and me. Has God also clued us in to the one-day-is-as-a-thousand-year concept revealed by both the six-day creation account and the physical death of Adam? Consider that God told Adam that he would die the day he ate the forbidden fruit, and yet Adam lived to be 930 years old. Was God notifying us as to his prophetic concept of a day being as a thousand years in his sight? Did Adam, according to God's prophetic way of reckoning, physically die on the very day he ate the forbidden fruit, a day being on God's calendar as a thousand years? Is it surprising that the pattern set by the first Adam in the garden is duplicated with precision by the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who came to reverse the curse set in motion by the first Adam? Now, clearly, Jesus was 33 and a half years old when he died on the cross on Passover in 30 AD. That's a historical fact. The Bereshit prophecy does not send us back to the date of creation. It sends us back to the precise moment that sin entered into the heart of the first Adam. Now we know why the year 3970 B.C. is important. The year 3970 B.C. is important because it's most likely the year that sin entered the world. 3970 B.C. Thirty-three and a half years after the creation of Adam is the year that God started the countdown 
of the 4,000 years that would climax in the sacrifice that would cancel the covenant with sin and death that Adam and all his descendants have entered into. If Jesus died on the cross on Passover in 30 AD at the age of 33 and a half, then by going back in time, 33 and a half years, we can determine that Jesus was born in 4 BC. 4 BC is the most commonly agreed upon date for the birth of Jesus. Now, if we go back in time 4,000 years from the birth of Jesus in 4 B.C., we are back to the creation date of 4,004 B.C., the most likely date of creation. Do you see the perfect time pattern that overlays the sinless life of the first Adam in the Garden of Eden that ended in rebellion and sin after 33 and a half years in the Garden of Eden? Can you now see the pattern repeated in order to accomplish the cancellation of the sin debt caused by the sin of the first Adam, canceled by the sinless life, death, burial, and resurrection of the last Adam, who died on a cross in 30 AD, exactly 4,000 years from the moment sin entered into the world of man? Prophecy is pattern. Until the Bereshit Passover event unfolded in time and space, the Bereshit prophecy could not have been understood. The logic of this is seamless, simple, and profound. Sinless Adam did not need a Savior for the first thirty-three and a half sinless years of his life in the Garden of Eden. But the moment he sinned, at the age of thirty-three and a half years old, he had a desperate need for a Savior. God is very precise in his dealings with man. Consider the precision and accuracy of the Bereshit Passover prophecy. God began the prophetic countdown to the most important event to ever happen in human history, the exact moment that marked the desperate need for redemption and atonement. That countdown started the clock ticking that would announce the coming Savior. That countdown started exactly thirty-three and a half years after creation and is the starting point for the millennial, Sabbath, end times, prophetic perspective. Amazingly, the Bereshit prophecy revealed that we needed to reset the millennial perspective to a new start date that until now has been a mystery. The year that sin entered the world, and the year exactly 33 and a half years after creation that marked with a big black X the starting point for the 4,000-year countdown to the cross. This begins to satisfy the Isaiah prophecy. But is the Passover prophecy the end God spoke about through his prophet Isaiah? The answer is no. The cross is not the end of the prophecy. It is a new beginning. There are two more time-stamped events yet to be revealed in the prophecy that we will now call the Passover prophecy that was fulfilled in 30 AD on a wooden cross on Calvary. The Passover prophecy reveals two more events that will seal your destiny. One of these events is on the cusp of completion. When it happens, your future will either be bright and unimaginably hopeful, or it will be filled with unspeakable terror. What does your future hold? Will you be ready and waiting for your Lord's return, or will you be so suffocated by the cares of this world that you can't be bothered to wake up and look up? I invite you to consider the final Bereshit Passover prophecy. The end is nearer than you ever imagined. The blessed hope for some, the advent of terror for others. For thousands of years, there has been one biblical prophetic perspective 
that's been obvious but blurred and out of focus, missing the final lens that, once in place, would bring the entire vista into sharp perspective. With the one puzzle piece that's been hidden in place from the very beginning, just waiting for the appointed time to be put into the right place in order that the terminal generation might view it at the appointed time just before God ends one age and begins another. The millennial historical time span perspective that is now in focus reveals for the first time when the most important events, the events that changed the course of man's history, took place in the past. It accomplished this not by going forward from the proposed year of the six-day creation account, but by looking back to the year of creation and the events that immediately followed the placement of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The 7,000-year millennial perspective, as it turns out, is filled with the unfolding of many dispensations over time, but only one condition, and one beginning and ending that is in view from a divine perspective. And what condition is that? The condition of man's heart, the condition of sin and rebellion. The 7,000-year countdown did not begin with the six-day creation. The 7,000-year countdown was tragically initiated by the sin of Adam and has been amplified and magnified by his descendants in an ever-increasing crescendo of unspeakable tragedy. The 7,000-year countdown starting the moment Adam sinned has been characterized by a cycle of dispensations that all end in exactly the same way. No matter what new experiment is attempted to govern the wicked heart of man, it always ends the same. Whether it's anarchy or tyranny, democracy or socialism, whether ruled by many laws or few, whether governed by judges, kings, or God himself, it always ends up the same way. Man's heart betrays all forms of governance. It rebels against everything that is good and holy as it reveals itself to be wicked, untamable, rebellious, and self-destructive. There is only one solution to this problem, and it is not within the power of man to exercise its promise or potency. Man is in desperate need of a new heart, a recreated nature that is joyfully in glorious harmony with his creator. Is this the lesson that man is to learn as he arrogantly schemes and plans his utopian fantasies? Man without God cannot achieve the latest version of an upgraded and improved man. It is madness to think that, aided by superintelligence and technology, the false promise that echoes from the serpent's malicious lies will accomplish what only God the Creator can accomplish. And what is that? A new heart. The first word in the Bible, Bereshit, reveals a millennial perspective that is so accurate and precise at forecasting the past that we dare not ignore what it forecasts for the future. It is no wonder that God has not disclosed this before now, saving it for the final generation. The generation living in the last fleeting years of time, time that is passing quickly and moving with speed toward the next event that God has ordained to happen both just in time and at the exact appointed time on his millennial day-for-a-thousand-year calendar. To be precise, you are literally living on the razor's edge of a nearly 2,000-year countdown that is only a few short years from completion. 
You are living in a time of signs that have not been seen since the time of Noah. The corruption of man has reached the boiling point, the inflection point, when iniquity overflows the cup of God's patience and mercy. You are living in the generation that has seen the fulfillment of the one event that notifies all the earth that God is sovereign over all the affairs of men and nations. We have been a witness to the most unlikely historical event to ever take place in human history, the miracle of the regathering and reestablishment of the nation of Israel is no longer a pipe dream believed by a fringe group of biblical literalists, explained away by the faithless Bible teachers who are so brilliant at allegorizing and spiritualizing away God's promises, and filling all those that follow them with arrogance and pride, a pride that is astonishing in face of God's literal fulfillment of His unbreakable promises. Israel has been brought back to their land in unbelief just as the Lord both promised and foretold. This generation has witnessed the coming together with intensity and frequency of the earth signs of earthquakes, pestilence, wars, famine, tornadoes, hurricane, tsunamis, and volcanic eruption that Jesus said would accelerate in a chorus of converging, ever-increasing cycles of calamitous prominence that he compared to birth pains, birth pains that have never before been witnessed by any previous generation. Even the most hardened sinner, living outside the influence of God's Spirit, knows that something is wrong and something frightful is on the near horizon. The children of the light, according to the Apostle Paul, will not be overtaken by the day. The day that the Prince of Heaven slips through the open window of time that's been allocated from the beginning to demonstrate God's grace to the nations, the time we call the Church Age, the children of light know the season of the Lord's return is upon us. There are signs in the heavens, signs in the earth, signs in the unseen world of evil spirits manifesting in our time and space dimension, signs all around us that are prophesied to cause fear in the hardened hearts of those who have rejected God's anointed one, signs that are meant to encourage and increase to the point of exuberance the blessed hope that is the birthright of every Christian pilgrim in the world. Pilgrims who long with all their heart to be escorted in the twinkling of an eye into the presence of our Lord and Savior, taken to the place Jesus said he was going to prepare for us in heaven. Christians, who were once only occasionally vexed by the downward tiptoeing into the dark shadowy corners of sin, are now shocked by the plunge into the septic dank sewer of depravity and disorder that is happening on a wholesale basis all around us. For these discouraged saints, the Lord is unsealing a revelation hidden from all the other generations that lived on the earth, preserved for the unveiling to the final generation in order that Christians would be courageous in the last moments of time, moments not wasted on sleep, but rather moments in which we are meant to awaken and look up with eyes filled with faith and hope, in spite of all the forces of evil that war against the simple truth that our salvation draweth nigh, and is even now at the door. We are now ready to disclose the two remaining final time-stamp revelations found in the very first word in the Bible, exactly where we began this inquiry. Let's read the words of the Lord as recorded by Isaiah the prophet one more time. Isaiah 46, 9 Remember the former things of old? For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning. 
There are two more timestamp revelations in the Bereshit prophecy that will literally fulfill the declaration made by God as recorded by Isaiah the prophet, declaring the end from the beginning. The Bereshit Fire Prophecy In part one of the Bereshit prophecy, we discovered that the first word in the Bible, the Hebrew word Bereshit, the word literally translated in beginning, was not just about one beginning, but contained a prophetic picture and number revelation that heralded multiple beginnings with one major thematic beginning in view that overshadowed all the others. You might have guessed that the Bereshit prophecy was about the six-day creation miracle followed by the seventh day of rest, but it was not. Instead, we discovered the beginning that heralded the 7,000 years of sin and rebellion that began with the sin of Adam, 33 and a half years after creation. And what beginning was it that forecast the year Adam sinned? It was the beginning that took place in the fourth millennium on God's calendar, the beginning that took place on Mount Moriah, where the greatest accomplishment to ever take place in human history was manifest on a wooden cross that lifted up the Prince of Heaven, who had humbled himself and come to earth as Emmanuel, God incarnate, in order to satisfy the sin debt of Adam and all his children, including you and me. Now we will unfold the two remaining millennial timestamp prophecies that are just waiting to be revealed. Let's see if we can discover the prophetic timeline and the picture prophecy that literally fulfills the Isaiah 46 prophecy. Let's see if we can find the end from the beginning in the first word God revealed to man, the word Bereshit that literally means in beginning. It is unusual, to say the least, to find even one word nested inside another word in the Hebrew language, but to find five Hebrew words nested in one Hebrew word is clearly astounding and obviously meant to arrest our attention. We have already identified four of those Hebrew words that we found nested in the six-letter Hebrew word Bereshit. Can you remember what they were? Let's review them. Bet, in or inside. Bet resh, pronounced bar is the Hebrew word for sun. Beth Resh Aleph, pronounced bara, is the Hebrew word for created. Resh Aleph Sheen, pronounced resh, is the Hebrew word for the head person, the prince, the first. These four words were obviously nested in the revelation in order that it might clearly notify us that the Son of God was in the house, that the Son of God came out of his house. It also disclosed to our amazement why the Son of God came out of his heavenly home. Amazingly, there is one more important word nested in Bereshit, a Hebrew word spelled Aleph Sheen. Aleph is the third, and Sheen is the fourth letter in Bereshit. The picture meaning of Aleph Sheen is pretty easy to figure out based on the pictures. Aleph, pictured as an ox, represents strength. Sheen, Pictured as teeth is meant to convey the idea of crushing and destroying like the gnashing of teeth. Put the Aleph and the Sheen together and you have the picture of strong destruction. Do you know what strong destruction God had in his mind? We've already seen how Sheen was used as a picture to forecast the cross. Is there another crushing and destroying on the horizon? The answer is yes, and God leaves us in no doubt as to what will cause the destruction. Aleph Sheen, the fifth Hebrew word nested in Bereshit literally means fire. The Yod and the Sheen tell us when this fire is scheduled to take place on God's millennial calendar. 
And when is it going to take place? Yod, 10, times Sheen, 300, equals 3,000. 3,000 years from the center point of man's history, the date of the cross in 30 A.D., Bereshit prophecy is forecasting fire. Now, anyone that's read the Bible does not need to guess as to what the single shocking word is forecasting. Our present world is going to end in a fiery conflagration. When is this going to happen? We now know the answer based on the Bereshit Passover prophecy. Starting from the center point of all history in 30 AD and then adding 3,000 years takes us to just 1,000 years into the future to the year 3030 AD. 3030 AD is exactly 7,000 years from the year Adam sinned and was expelled from the Garden of Eden, 33 and a half years after creation. And what is it that comes to an end after 7,000 years? 7,000 years that mark the complete destruction of our present heaven and earth? The answer is what puts us back into God's millennial perspective. Seven is one of four sacred numbers that means divine completion, and you do not need to have a Ph.D. in theology to figure out what comes to an end after 7,000 years. Sin, rebellion, and wickedness, and everything it touched and corrupted, including the very world that God pronounced good in the very beginning, has become polluted with sin and rebellion and must come to an end. Fire not only marks the end of the seventh millennium, it also inaugurates the beginning of a new sinless eternity, heralded by the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. It is the appointed time when God will roll up the current heaven and earth like a scroll and put a match to it just as he declared in his word. Listen to what it says in the New Testament book of Second Peter. Second Peter 3, seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Second Peter 3.12 Looking for and hasting unto the coming of that day, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. God said he would declare the end from the beginning, and he has done it literally, with a precision that cannot be denied. The prophecy in Isaiah has literally been fulfilled in the beginning. Literally, in the revelation of his word beginning, God has declared the end from the beginning. And he did it in a way no one could have ever dreamed. God accomplished his word from the center point of history in 30 A.D., it is from that divinely appointed time that we can date the six days of creation followed by the seventh day of rest. The creation event took place in the year 4004 B.C. This was followed by 33 and a half years of innocence and sinlessness in the Garden of Eden that ended abruptly with the sin of Adam, 33 and a half years from the start date of creation. And now we know the end of the present heaven and earth is scheduled to perish by fire, in the year 3030 A.D. We are now living roughly a thousand years before the final fulfillment of the seventh-day Sabbath millennial perspective that will end 7,000 years of sin and rebellion. We are now left with one more time-stamp prophecy, the final Bereshit prophecy. Like the other two before it, the Lord has left little doubt about what this prophecy is about. A prophecy that will unfold when the rash the Prince of Glory, leaves his home one more time in order to accomplish the next phase of the unfolding plan that his Father in Heaven purposed before the foundation of the world. But this time the rash, the Prince of Glory, 
will not be coming as the sacrificial lamb to be mocked, beaten, and killed. No, the Son of God is coming out of his home in heaven with a roar and the shout of victory. He is coming as the conquering Lion of Judah. King Jesus is soon coming to establish his thousand-year kingdom on the earth. The king is now waiting in heaven for exactly the right moment at the appointed time to come again as the conquering king of the whole earth. So when is this going to happen? The answer is found in the picture of the Resh, the prince, coming out of his home to accomplish the Yod, the plan, the plan of God. The picture that reveals this event also reveals that this event is going to happen on God's millennial calendar. The time stamp of 2,000 years, or two millennium, added to the 30 A.D. Passover prophecy gives us the answer. Startling as it may seem, the year of Christ's second coming is no longer thousands of years into the future as it was in the first century church. It is upon us. It is forecast to happen based on the Bereshit Passover prophecy in the year 2030 A.D., the Bereshit Passover prophecy forecasts that 2,000 years from the crucifixion date of 30 A.D., the Lord is coming to establish His kingdom here on the earth. This is where people, including many Christians, are all mixed up and confused. The coming of the Lord, that no one knows the day or the hour of, is not the second coming of Christ, but the coming of Christ to collect His church. Now, if you're confused about this, I would suggest you open your Bible and start making a list of all the verses in the New Testament that describe the second coming or the coming of Christ. What you will discover is that there are at least 20 categories that either highlight major contradictions in the Bible or 20 categories that describe two different events. The departure of the church, popularly called the rapture, is not the same as the second coming of Christ, which is also called the glorious appearing. The coming of Christ in the clouds to collect his church has as its purpose the escorting of saints off the earth, the earth that is about to experience the wrath of God. The second coming of Christ is all about the Lord coming with his saints to establish a thousand-year kingdom here on the earth. The second coming event has so many prophetic time stamps and signs connected to its fulfillment that it's hard to keep track of them all. Obviously, anyone who has a Bible during the Great Tribulation can consult it and know exactly when the second coming is going to occur. Anyone that tells you that no one knows or ever will know the year that Christ is coming again is either ignorant of the facts or confused. To be clear, the Bereshit prophecy does not forecast the year when Christ is going to come and collect his church, but it does forecast the season. The translation of the pictures and numbers in the first word in the Bible reveals three time-stamped events that are all based on a fourth event, the one event God has magnified above all others, the centerpiece of all history, the cross event that took place in 30 A.D. Now we ask, just how many beginnings are forecast in the Bereshit Passover prophecy? If we count the cross, there are four events directly forecast in the first word in the Bible. Are there others? Based on the millennial day for a thousand-year perspective, we can now 
put a timeline on a couple other important events that are now for the first time clearly in view and time-stamped based on the Bereshit prophecy. Amazingly, the Bereshit prophecy reveals seven beginnings, all knowable and arranged in order on God's millennial calendar. Let's briefly review all seven prophetic beginnings that chronicle 33 and a half years of perfection on the earth, followed by 7,000 years of man's allotted time on the earth. Number 1. 4004 B.C. The six-day miracle creation begins, the beginning followed by the seventh day of rest, the beginning of the first man, Adam, who was sinless for 33 and a half years. Number 2. 3970 B.C., the beginning of sin and rebellion, the year Adam sinned, 33 and a half years after creation. Number 3, 30 A.D., the new beginning that opened up the way to heaven based on the atoning death of the last Adam, Jesus the Christ, who accomplished our salvation on a wooden cross as prophesied, the beginning of the church age. Number 4, the departure of the church, the new beginning highlighted for believers by a new glorified body fit and made for heaven and perfected in order that we might enjoy our Lord and Savior as we are blessed beyond reason to be in His presence forever and ever. Number 5. 2023 A.D. Daniel's 70th week also known as the Great Tribulation that lasts seven years and proceeds with no time gap, the second coming of Christ. The beginning of sorrows for the world and the beginning of discipline for God's beloved children of Israel, who will go under the rod of discipline in order that they might finally call upon Yeshua HaMashiach with eyes of faith finally opened to see that Jesus, Yeshua, is their Savior. Number 6, 2030 A.D. The second coming of Christ, the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ on the earth that will last for 1,000 years. And finally, number 7, 3030 A.D. By fire, the end of the present heaven and earth and the creation of a new eternal heaven and earth, the beginning of the eternal state. You will notice that I did not forecast a year for the departure of the church. There is currently an open window of time through which the Lord is going to slip through and collect his church. That window of time has been slowly closing for almost 2,000 years, and it's almost shut. We know that the departure of the church could happen at any time. And now we know that while the window of time appointed for his coming could close today or tomorrow, we simply do not know exactly when the Lord is coming, but we do know that the window of grace will slam shut no later than 2023 A.D., the same year that begins the seven-year Great Tribulation, also known as Daniel's 70th week. The window of time that was fully open nearly 2,000 years wide in 30 A.D. is now only open five years wide as of the production of this article in March of 2018. 
Does this mean that we have five years before Christ comes to gather us into his presence and take us home? No. It means that we could have up to five years before Christ comes to gather us into his presence, or we could have only minutes before we are in his presence. The Bereshit Passover prophecy is a set of very simple, forthright, and easy-to-understand collection of puzzle pieces made up of pictures and numbers. Once assembled, the Bereshit Passover prophecy contains the forecast that the Church of Christ will not exist on the earth after the year 2023. It may not exist on the earth after 2022, or 2021, or tomorrow. Only God knows. Remember that the church was a mystery, not revealed in the Old Testament. Is it a surprise that the exact day and hour that the bridegroom is coming to collect his bride, his church, is also a mystery? But while we do not know the exact day or time of day, we can forecast the number of years left in the open space of the window of God's grace through which the Son of God will come in the clouds to collect his glorified church body. Let me ask the Christians listening to this amazing end times perspective a question. Are you anxiously awaiting your Lord's return? If you are, then this revelation should be greatly encouraging to you. There is just a little more time. Be patient and keep living your life as if he was going to return today. He just may. Or... Are you, a confessing Christian immersed in the cares of this world, in love with its tantalizing distractions, pleasures, and attractions, that, like a siren song, cry out for all your attention? Does the thought of the Lord's coming soon sound like an inconvenient truth that you truly hope is not to be taken seriously? If the news that the coming of the Lord is going to really happen and soon does not elevate your spirit to heights of glorious anticipation, then something is wrong with your life of faith, and you need to repent of it and get your eyes back on Jesus alone before you are standing before him consumed by shame and regret. The Bereshit prophecy is the most amazing warning you will ever hear in this lifetime. Heed it and get back to loving the Lord who redeems you with his precious blood and return him to the center of your life, which is exactly where he belongs. If you're not a Christian, I would plead with you not to perish. Come to Christ while there is still time, before the one thing you have taken for granted slips away and is lost forever. Time. You may think you have all the time in the world. The Bereshit Passover prophecy has been revealed to you so that you might know that the appointed time for the Church of Jesus Christ to be joined with their Savior is only moments away. You do not want to be left on the earth after that event takes place. If you're not a Christian, it is time for you to acknowledge your sin and your desperate need for a Savior. It is time to pray for God's mercy and grace as you look with eyes of faith to the one the only one who shed his precious blood so that you might be redeemed and claim the promise that's been written for your encouragement and redemption. Listen to this message and consider that it has been sent to you in order that you might escape the wrath to come. Listen to what Paul says in Romans ten, nine and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, 
thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This concludes the translation of the first prophecy revealed in the Bible. Revealed, but hidden in the beginning, so that you might be warned at the appointed time that Christ is coming to collect his church. Will you be ready? We are glad that you joined us today. We understand that study in the book of Revelation is a challenge. We also want you to remember that it is impossible for you to comprehend the deep truths stated in the book of Revelation unless you have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit living inside you. If you're an unbeliever, a non-Christian listening to these particular messages, at some point in time you're going to have to make a decision to either refute Christ or to accept him. In the PDF of this particular message, in most of our messages, we have a salvation prayer at the bottom of that PDF. Please keep that in mind. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.